With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. the online podcast of Heartland Sports. Heartland-sports.com is where you can catch us. I'm Matt Hofeld along with Rich DeCray. Dude, I'm going to laugh every time you do that because of the point. Yeah, well, I you can't know, help here's it. the I thing. I can't help it. I'm not like, expecting it either. The first time in three months we are together in the same recording studio um, back in Oklahoma. That, if you heard that, that was a, a fist bump back in the good old United States of America. Um, so, look, we got to start. We're always going to talk about football because football is the dominating topic when you're talking about Oklahoma athletics. But you got to start with basketball. The Sooners, they end the season at 20 wins. They make an impressive, super impressive first round uh, just demolishing of Ole Miss, fall to Virginia in the second round. As impressive as the first round win was, you can't. I mean, I saw. I went to Twitter Sunday night and I looked through some things. Um, I don't know, Rich. I can't. I can't bring myself to saying it was disappointing. It was disappointing from the standpoint that the season's over, and anytime you make a run in the tournament, you know, you win that first game, you start thinking, well, maybe we are Cinderella. You and I had talked the week before. I would rather play Virginia than Tennessee. I know. I, Spoiler alert, you've got Tennessee picked to win it all. But it's disappointing from the standpoint that that season's now over. But when you look at when you look at the grand scheme of things, what Lon Kruger did with these guys, you got that massive slump they went through, what was it, late January into February. The fact that they made the NCAA tournament as a ninth seed, they won the first game in dominating fashion before getting bounced out. I mean, Virginia was just a better team. I mean, that was when you when you watch that game, you see better basketball players, right? I mean, it's just that it was not a it was not a we should have won this game and, and lost it, ended up losing it like Oklahoma did in Austin, Texas. It was we went up against literally one of the best basketball teams in the country. They've only lost three times this whole season. The the top scoring defense in the country, and and you lost by a respectable margin. Nothing to be ashamed of. Or am I totally off base here? I would completely agree with you in the fact that I, I wrote an article stating that it, it wasn't a disappointing season. I didn't think they exceeded expectations either. The only surprise that we get is Oklahoma enters the NCAA tournament and potentially gets that that first win. Those are the two surprises I think you have from the beginning of the season that no one was really predicting at that point in time. Needless to say, you do have to look at what Long Kruger had to work with because coming into this season, Matt, I don't know if you remember, we had Cameron McGusty, who was really expected to take mm-hmm. over as one of the the leading scorers of this team. Granted, that was based off of a freshman season. He had a sophomore season, which he saw his minutes significantly dwindle because of the presence of Trey Young. 
that that's natural to expect a guy who's a top five draft pick in the NBA draft. Well, of course you're going to play play back up to a guy of that caliber. Secondary to that, you had Jordan Shepard, who was a point guard as well, playing that position. Needless to say, when you look at Oklahoma and what they had to work with, they lose Jordan Shepard. They lose Cameron Mogusty. They lose others because of graduation or exhausting eligibility. But they're only bringing two signees on as members of that class. It's not enough to replenish what Oklahoma was losing because they didn't expect the attrition. So looking at, again, what Lon Kruger did with what he had, I think you've got to give him a, a bit of a hat tip. And granted, this is hindsight, and we all know that's 2020, but still, I believe you've got to give him a hat tip for the season. Not only did they, they enter the NCAA tournament, but they got to that 20-win mark. But you said... You said that they didn't exceed expectations, and I, I, I think they did. I mean, I, I remember having conversations back in December saying I didn't think this team would be an NCAA tournament team. Then I, I caught into all the hype of the preseason success, and then you hit conference play, and for the second year in a row, you see Lon Kruger take a team that's ranked into conference play and then just really kind of fall on their face. And 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 I don't want to rehash. I mean, we, we know what the problems were. The problems were the inadequate ability to score by multiple players in the same game. Now, they had multiple players who could score. They just couldn't all score in the same game. Um, but the fact, again, that they made the tournament, that they, um, that they won that first game and then lost to Virginia – to me, I say that it exceeds expectations. And it's crazy. You see this team go through the what I believe one of the lows, like the lowest low to me of the season, was probably losing that West Virginia game in the opening round of the Big 12 tournament. And to see them, the way they were able to come back and to really, I mean, the, the best game to me that they played all season long was against Ole Miss. I agree. And to come off of that, that low of, of losing on a last-second shot that was – you know, real toe on the line with Christian James. So I, I don't know that I can say that they didn't exceed expectations. I think they did because, honestly, my expectations or this team were pretty low going in. And I feel like, based on attendance numbers and so forth, that I'm not the only one who had those expectations. See, th- this is my counter-argument because when we look at the preseason, Oklahoma, not ranked. They climb into the rankings. They fall out. But if we go back to the preseason just in the Big 12, Oklahoma's picked to finish eighth. Where where did they finish? They finished eighth. No shocker, right? They didn't finish eighth. Yes, they did. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. Oh, all right. Keep talking because you... They, they finished I, eighth. I, You're going to go look it up. I'm I've going got to challenge on my, you. My I'm, cellular device for you so that you can actually see the rankings. And Oklahoma finishes number eight. TCU below them or above them. In this one, in West Okay, Virginia, no, see, they didn't finish below. anything. They finished tied for seventh. <laughs> okay. That's well, how whatever. that works when you have the <laughs> same conference record. It's, actually, it's actually OU beat, didn't OU sweep TCU this year? I believe so. So they would actually be ahead of TCU in the okay. ranking. So if they, would, the, they would finish seventh. I need to... to okay, you want to retract it? You, you know, sure. Lean, lean in the sure. microphone I will, and say you were I will, wrong. I will retract it. I was wrong. Eighth, <laughs> seventh. Is it that big of a difference? 
No, I, I not think in, it is not because TCU scheme. didn't make the tournament. I get that. I get that. And TCU is doing pretty well in the NIT. Right. Right. Now, needless to say, Matt, like I said, I'm, I'm looking at where were they preseason? Because all the attrition, all the graduate transfers had already come on board. What was this team expected to do? They were in the ballpark. Is that better for you? They were in the ballpark of where they were expected to finish. Like I said, I give you the NCAA tournament, and I give you getting out of the first round. Those were surprises, but those were all predicated on the the simple fact that Oklahoma beat Kansas. Mm -hmm. If they don't get that win, again, I'm still of the opinion they're out. No, and I, then we're having a completely well, and, different conversation. And I, and I agree with that. Not only do I think that they were out if they, and they, but they don't beat Kansas. That I agree. That's the game that got them in at the nineteen win mark. But I, I felt like I felt like in the moment, the loss to West Virginia in the opening round of the tournament was just as as, as good as that West Virginia or that that Kansas win was. The West Virginia was equally as damaging to me that loss. And so that, to me, and again, we were on separate, we, we talked about this last week, we were on separate ends of that argument where you felt like it doesn't matter what they do in the, in the tournament. I felt like losing to West Virginia puts them on the bottom side of the bubble, but the fact that they lost to West Virginia and still remained a, a nine seed, I really thought Oklahoma was looking at a possible play-in game after that West Virginia. Hey, which brings me, I mean, kind of taking a timeout from Oklahoma talk. I want because I heard some some conversation on this. I didn't get. I had a, a, a group with me in uh, Columbia last week, and a couple of guys were were college basketball players at the lower level at, at Division Two, and we were talking about the play-in games. And they they from their standpoint, the play-in game is the NCAA tournament. No, from my standpoint, no. the, the play-in game is getting in. Uh, that's why it's called a play-in game. Mm-hmm. If if you win that game, then you get. Into the NCAA tournament, right? So you view the same way that playing game. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, an NCAA it's, tournament it's game. It's the first four. It's the. It's essentially it should be called the last four. If we're being honest, it's the last four to be included in the field of sixty-four, which comprises the tournament. For me, I do not agree that those first four games begin the first round of the right. tournament because then everybody else, all the other, if it's just four teams, the sixty other teams get a buy. No, that, well, that's if you not take if you take that argument, then oh, you made it to the third round. That's the right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which is right. still one short of the Sweet Sixteen. So, that so gone seeing their careers close. Jemima McNeese, Rashard Odoms, uh, Aaron Calixi, Miles Reynolds. Um, when when you look at what this team is losing, are are they? Well, we'll get into recruiting here in a second. I want to I want to talk about the guys that are staying. Jamal Bienemy, great freshman campaign. Brady Manick, decent sophomore campaign. Christian Doolittle came on strong through conference play. Matt Freeman may or may not be here next year. He he went uh, as a part of senior day just because he's undecided. He came in with all these guys, and now he's going to leave, uh, at least be acknowledged with them. But really, you've got let, – let's let's throw Matt Freeman out there because he, he's not really a, a, a key contributor but you're, you've got the enemy coming back. You've got Manny coming back. You've got Doolittle coming back. When you put into perspective Oklahoma's recruiting class that Long Cougar has coming in, they're, they're 16th nationally, number three in the Big 12. The Harmon kid, number five point guard in the country. Um, they've got the number one center in the country with Merritt. 
is, is there enough there for, for Oklahoma to, to build on this run that they made this year? Or is next year starting over again? I, I, mean, I guess I what don't. I'm saying is, should we expect better next year or should we expect the same? I think you can see in terms of wins to losses, you would expect something similar. However, I think in conference play, we are going to see some improvement. Why? Because I just mentioned recruiting and all of the attrition that Oklahoma faced, all of the struggles that were a product Mm -hmm. of guys leaving and being unable to fill those holes outside of the graduate transfer market. Needless to say, I'm looking at Oklahoma. I'm looking at what they're bringing in. I'm looking at the holes that need to be filled. The enemy is going to slide over to the two. He'll still have a, a good portion of ball handling responsibilities because how he limited his turnovers this year and against quality right. opponents. I think he took a ginormous leap forward as a freshman, and we can only expect that conti- to continue as a sophomore. But Harmon's going to step in, I believe, as an immediate starter because of the vacancy there. And then at center, same thing. We've got two guys who are in the top 100 recruits across the country who are coming in, and they're going to fill an immediate void. Are they capable? Absolutely. How many times do we see freshmen come in and have that immediate impact across the country? Not not just in the Big 12, not just in the ACC, not in, in the Pac-12. It's across the board we see freshmen have an immediate impact. I think these are two guys who can have that impact. My only concern, my only concern with next year is size. Because you look at what Oklahoma has on the roster, you look at what they're bringing in, they're going to play at 6'8 at that center position. That's a little a little concerning, especially in conference play. Well, I mean, Merritt's 6'9", 250. I thought he was 6'8". So nah, that, that, that kid from Australia that hasn't signed yet, that just committed in January, he's 6'8", 195. But Merritt's listed as 6'9", 250. Number one uh, center in the country, number two overall player from the state of Florida. Oklahoma's recruiting class by position breaks down like this. Two guards, one point guard, one shooting guard, two forwards, and two centers. And I think, I mean, I I think Lon Kruger addressed what he needed to with this class, particularly at the big, with the big men, uh, because we talked about the enemy and so forth coming back. You've got, I mean, what do you, you you talk about Harmon, and and I like Harmon. I like what I've seen of film. I like, I love his high school tape. Number four, Number four player in the in the state of Texas, number five point guard overall. But is he going to come in and unseat the enemy, or do you look at rotating, going with a three guard system where where you throw someone else out there with Harmon and the enemy? I mean, well, tell me what in in your mind what, with the closing seconds we have to talk about basketball. Tell me tell me what that looks like. I that, I mean that's a really good question to ask. Honestly, like I said, the enemy is six four. He can play. He's a combo guard. We get that. He can play that two slot. Christian James leaving. Obviously, you're filling a void there. Bienemy sliding over and, and doing that. That specific thing. Christian Doolittle, I think you could see him play that three. A little bit of inside-outside. He, he can switch very, very easily with Manic mm-hmm. in that role because they are of similar height similar strength, similar physicality. They just have a different style of approach to offense, essentially. And we saw that because Manic likes to step out. So I think they're really interchangeable. They'll play the three and the four, and then you've got a center. But I don't think it's going to be Merritt. Uh, that's that's just my opinion. Who's going to be I center think it's the, 
No, no, no. He, and he could. He's gonna play minutes. Let's be honest. But I think it's gonna be. And I'm gonna butcher this kid's name. The kid the, from Australia. The Iwuakor. He's from Sulphur Springs, oh, Texas. Oh, oh, okay, Victor. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I said, just I, I know that I butchered his name. My apologies. But I think he's gonna step in as that center, and that's where I'm saying Oklahoma is gonna play small. I'm intrigued by that because you, you're talking about size. Mm-hmm. You know, he's six eight two ten, where Merritt's six nine two fifty. I mean, he's given up forty pounds to Merritt, and 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 what all I'm saying is. When you look at Oklahoma, and, and a lot of it was due to the Jamani McNeese injury, but they got bullied inside. I mean, mm-hmm. think about the loss to Virginia. How many blocked shots the Cavaliers just had? That. How many easy shots? Well, they have that's what paint. I'm saying because there wasn't a big body in there, and so I'm curious about that because I would say merit, but I we don't know, and we won't know these answers till we start talking about it for real in October. The, the only question I have left when we're talking about Oklahoma. Um, in basketball and recruiting was whether Lon Kruger addressed the big issue of scoring. Because Bienemy is a is a he's a guy who takes care of the ball. A facilitator. A facilitator is a good word. He's not going to turn it over much. He's going to dish out the dimes, but he's not a guy you're going to call on to score. Brady Manning's going to have to get a lot more consistent and Doolittle's going to have to pick up where he left off, but you still need more scoring. And that, that's the big question I have. I, I want um I want to just finish this up. We're already over time on this section, but I want to finish this up by saying I, I think the the one thing, the 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 best thing that came out of this this one game NCAA tournament run, I guess two games, the one win is that it should have for the majority of Sooner Nation, it should have restored their faith in the ability in the in the fact that Lon Kruger does have the ability to coach basketball. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never doubted that from day one. Even before he came to Oklahoma when his name was being thrown out as one of the candidates, I've never doubted that about him. In fact, you can even look at, at what the numbers say about Lon Kruger to further back up that point because he's the only coach in the NCAA, in the history of the NCAA, to coach five teams to the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just know that a lot of people were – there was beginning to be talk about the hot seat for Lon Kruger, and I feel like this run to end the season probably cooled that off some, so to speak. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You're listening to Sooner Nation, the online podcast, Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Rich, um, you like candy bars, right? Every now and then. I mean, every now and then. Yeah, I'm trying to quit this addiction I, to sugar. Whatever, right. So so you like candy bars, right? Every well, now and then. <laughs> Whatchamacallit. If, if, well, okay. Well, it's payday for Alex Grinch. He's... He's bribing his guys with payday candy bars. Whoever gets a, if you if you attempt to, to force a turnover, if you get a turnover, then you're awarded a payday candy bar at the end of practice. <laughs> That's pretty genius. If I gotta, I gotta say, the, the player with the most turnovers gets the king size payday candy bar, and you would be surprised at how well eighteen to twenty-two year old kids are jumping on this idea of going and getting the ball and. Um, 
you know, when, when you talk about Alex Grinch, you, you talk about Oklahoma. I, I'm not, I mean, I here's my point. Oklahoma has lost two national championship opportunities because of defense, right? Something's got to change, and it's all about mentality. And we've talked about an ex, extensively about the mentality of this Oklahoma defense. And the biggest question mark that Alex Grinch is going to face is, can he get the guys to buy in, and can he get them to play with a different mentality? I'm shocked that something potentially as small as a candy bar plays into that. But when you look at what Oklahoma's doing, spring spring break's over with, they're back out on the practice field. These guys are, are really buying in to going after the football. Now, what Oklahoma fans need to be prepared for is that means you're going to have busted coverages. I mean, what that means is you're going to have a guy going for the interception as opposed to going for the tackle. And that means you're going to have guys open downfield. But I, I'm going to counter that with saying, were guys not open downfield anyway the last two or three years, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it doesn't matter. But what do you feel? I mean, just your initial thoughts on this idea of forcing turnovers. Grinch says 24 turnovers should automatically be nine wins. That, that equates to nine wins. It's a philosophy, philosophy that he had in the Pac-12. It worked at Washington State. The detractors are going to say, yeah, but look what happened at Ohio State. The realists are going to say that was Greg Schiano. That wasn't you know Alex Grinch calling the defensive plays. Can he take something that worked in the Pac-12 and bring it to the Big 12 and have it work? I mean, Matt, isn't, isn't that the, the purpose of a defense? Is to go and, and get the ball. I, I see what you're saying in that it may lead to more busted coverages, but if we go back, we can even look at the Brent Venables years because his linebackers were, I mean, they flowed to the ball, did they not? Mm-hmm. That's clearly working at Clemson. The athletes are in place. When I'm looking at a defense, I'm saying their sole objective is to go and get the ball, is it not? And so when you look at that number of 24 and you throw that out there, I, I can't disagree with it at this point, especially in a offensive-dominated conference. We always talk about the offenses. It's rare that we talk about the defenses because we don't expect this level of greatness. So 24 turnovers, I mean, is, is that essentially what I'm saying here is that the turnover becomes just an extension of the offense. And if you're fielding one of the best offense, offenses, not only in the country, but I mean, not only in the conference, but also in the country, are you not saying, yeah, that's, that's nine wins. I see it happening. I, I don't know about 24 turnovers. Obviously, um, we've got to talk about personnel on the field and, and are they capable? Are they capable of causing those disruptions that lead to turnovers? That's the one thing we haven't seen. We can talk about it all day, the numbers of, or specifically the number of 24. But until the rubber meets the road, as people like to say, it's it's all just talk. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that Alex Grinch is, is about a speed defense. Um, I don't know if you've heard the rumors or seen pictures, but he's bringing the weight of these defensive tackles down. And not just 5 or 10 pounds. We're talking 30, 
plus pounds yeah. for some of these guys, which again lends itself to that speed type of defense. We'll see if it actually works. It's bred success in the past. Hopefully that happens here at Oklahoma as well. Well, let's, let's, let's uh, yeah, I want to get to sorry, the, sorry, no, no, I want to, I want to get to the weight issue, but you know, here, here's what Grinch said about the, about getting the ball. He said, every, everything we do is with that in mind. And that is getting the ball in basketball. You're not confused. Go get the ball. In baseball, the ball is hit to you. Go get it. In football, for some reason, coaches are guilty of keep the ball in front of us. That's 1A. 1B is to get it. I, I, I like, again, I like the enthusiasm. I like his approach. I, I like the fact that he took, he, he, hang on, I, I like the fact that he took video of his Washington State guys and said, look, Buki, you're a four or five star recruit. These guys are two-star recruits. Look at them go after the ball. And you know, and, and they're 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 buying into that. That these these kids that he had in Washington State were not as highly touted, not as not as highly recruited, not as talented as what Oklahoma has in that defensive secondary. And and it, it makes sense when you're when you're changing around mentality, it makes sense. If, if these guys can do it, why can you not do it? And and you go back the, the, the biggest the biggest frustration that a lot of fans had with Mike Stoops was that massive cushion. He was so afraid in this Big 12 conference, so afraid that that people are going to go deep on him and get burned that he would give up underneath. I, I think you're going to see that change with Alex Grinch because he wants to challenge teams to throw. Well, that shouldn't be hard in the Big 12. I mean, <laughs> he wants to challenge teams to throw because the more they throw, the greater your opportunity at getting the ball. But... Oklahoma fans need to be aware that when you get into this, you're getting into a risk-reward type situation. That means you're going to take the risk, and, and, and the risk is great, but the reward is even better. You're going to give up plays, but if you give up three plays in a row and then get the ball in the fourth play, that, that's what he's aiming for. These guys seem to be buying in, and how do you know they're buying in? It goes back to the... Well, here, I'll, I'll stop right there because you had something you wanted to yeah, say. Yeah, all I wanted to say is with Alex Grinch and this mentality, this structuring of the defense, one thing that we've consistently talked about when it comes to defenses has been schemes, different stunts, or different looks that you're trying to throw at an offense in order to confuse them. I feel like Alex Grinch is going the exact opposite direction. He's turned to 180 and saying turnovers is... The goal, it's the purpose. Mm-hmm. I believe he's saying we're simplifying the, the defense as well. Well, and that's what Ruffin McNeil tried to do. He tried to simplify, but the thing is, the problem with Oklahoma's defense, we're going to end this podcast by talking about Oklahoma City Thunder, right? But there is a parallel between these two teams. Different sports, different franchise, different levels, amateur versus professionalism, but effort. You know, and, and Ruffin McNeil tried to make it simple. He, he even went as far as if you guys have a question about this check down, a question about the, we're just going to take it out because I don't want you thinking. I want you reacting. Well, the problem is they didn't even want to react. I mean, they, they, they this defense was so shell-shocked and so lackluster that it didn't really matter what you threw at them. And that's and that's still my biggest question. They're they're all in for the payday candy bars. They you know they they've got the, I'm <laughs> like sick. I said, it's a, I, it's I mean, a genius idea, Matt. Because you look you look across the country. I know I'm interrupting you. You look across the country and the different tactics. Right. Turnovers is becoming a major theme. Right. 
I know that we saw that down in Miami with the turnover chain. It kind of spread like wildfire from there. But how many times did you ever get to consume the thing you were handed? Well, no, not I, a single time. Well, and the thing is, is that um, look, it's I, I like it. I, I mean, I, I it's genius, like I said. But there, there's a risk reward, and what I don't know. I mean, yeah, every, everyone wants. The candy bar, right? And they've got the strip king, you know, who they're going after interceptions. <laughs> they're going after interceptions and they're going after the strip. They want to strip the ball. That's that's on that that first two layers of the defense. But the thing is, the thing is, what we don't know and what we won't know about this football team until sometime after August 31st is what happens when Buki has to make that big hit. What what happens when if you're slimming down the defensive lineman? I get it. You want them to be fast. That means they're going to play gap assignments. You want guys. You don't want them just heading up on the center or the tackles or the guards. You want them shooting gaps. That that you want penetration into the backfield. That's why they're slimming down. I love I love Grinch's thought. He said you know fat is the biggest detriment to speed. So he's slimming these guys down, but he's also bulking them up in muscle. I, I I'm going to encourage Oklahoma fans. To find somewhere before they take it off the roster the, online, go look at the roster from last year with these defensive backs. Save that and then compare that when the defensive pre- backs are lined. No, the defensive backs. Compare that when when the um, when the preseason first run of the depth chart comes out. Look how much these guys have added in muscle. I mean, we we, we talk about the transformation that C.D. Lamb has made with his body. Well, the defensive backs are making very similar transformations and building up bulk. That's what they needed. I mean, that that's why, and I feel like this is like the fourth time I've called out Buki, but that's why Buki missed three games after he made the only big hit of the season last year. You know, he he, he destroyed that kid from Kansas State. And then the tight end. Yeah, and then we didn't see him again. He needs to bulk up. But what are they going to do? when they line up against an Alabama and these guys start running the ball down their throats, you know, are the linebackers going to be enough to stop that? Because if you're shooting gaps, that means your linebackers have to be on point. That means they have to be sound. Well, the linebackers are going to have to trust the defensive backs then because a linebacker can't be thinking gap assignment and coverage. So if I can't, I can't have that option. If my, if my defensive lineman, if my tackles are, are playing are forcing me to play gap assignment if they're trying to get into the backfield that means I got underneath I can't commit to the flat I can't commit to these other I don't have that option I have to be where I where I have to be so there's going to be a whole big level of trust here and the front end was just as bad as the back end and I've said this in that if you don't get pressure on the quarterback it doesn't matter who your defensive backs are you could have five Deion Sanders back there Someone's going to get open because the quarterback is eating a Snickers bar himself while he's waiting to throw the football. That's why they're slimming down. That's also why you see the defensive backs bulking up. And when you see guys begin to commit to body transformation, that tells me that they've bought in. So they're there. They're, every, everything's coming into play the way it should be right now. Will that stay in August? Because I, I know you're dying to say something, but here's the thing. Here's here's what I know about Alex Grinch. Here's what what we've seen from him at Washington State, at Ohio State, and now in Oklahoma. He's a very much going to be an in-your-face coach. 
He's not a step. He's not that far removed from Mike Stoops. He will light into you when you mess up. And and I know you didn't see a whole lot about Izzo and Michigan State and the NCAA tournament, but this passive aggressive soft society that we have, where you got a coach yelling at an athlete. Hey, guess what? That happens across all levels of sports. My coach used to grab me by the face mask and pull me off the field when I messed up. I I've seen coaches that I've been around roundhouse kick kids in the head. Um, seriously, because of just not paying attention and not doing what you're supposed to do. So I'm not saying Grinch is going <laughs> to roundhouse kick someone in the head. Yeah. But what I am saying, he will be a verbal, in-your-face, get-it-right-or-you're-not-playing type of coach. And these kids rebelled against that with Mike Stoops. But are they going to buy in now? And if you buy in, then that means you buy all the way in. And I'm just saying, I like what I'm seeing. I'm liking the spring results. But this is spring. I want to see these same type of mentality and attitude and excitement in August. And that's something that we just won't know until August rolls around. Best coach I ever had. I, I played basketball. Basketball was, was where it was at for me. I'm just going to piggyback what you've said here because the best coach I ever had was a coach who did that. I'll never forget being hit by the ball from the coach for the very first time. Needless to say, that style of coaching, you know what it did for me, Matt? It took me from, okay, so we had um, 10 jerseys that were given out for the team. And then we had five that rotated because you weren't allowed to cut people from the team, heaven forbid. I was in that bottom five with a rotating jersey. The next year, got this coach, started with a different style of coaching, and I went from a rotating five player to a starting five player. It clearly, I mean, the results were there. My personal experience, I know everyone responds differently, but it, it worked for me because I didn't repeat the same mistakes over and over and over because of the penalty that came with those mistakes. Needless to say, what I wanted to ask you as far as it goes, on the conversation with Alex Grinch is I know a lot of people were not questioning his resume, but asking if he was the best hire. You're talking about players buying in at this point, evidenced by the slimming down, trim down of the weight, the fat, the adding of muscle. Are you fully on board at this point and 100% in behind Alex Grinch saying, even though they haven't played a game with him at the helm yet, are we saying he was and is the right guy for this moment of Oklahoma's football program. Let's, let's talk about that. He's Rich. I'm Matt, Center Nation, the online podcast, Heartland Sports. You can find us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. To answer your question, yes. I, I, mean, I don't know if you want to go all the way back to when this, this search started following the Orange Bowl loss, but Alex Grinch is one of the guys that I, I initially said was and, and and the reason why is because of the the connection to Mike Leach because when you play in an offense that's fast paced 
like what Lincoln Riley puts out there, an offense that scores a lot of points in very few seconds, your, your defense is exposed. Your defense is on the field with more frequency than than what they would be in a traditional SEC style, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust type offense. That said, there's still question marks on this defense. One guy coming in and changing the mentality is not going to make this defense night and day better in 2019. They'll be better. I believe they'll be better if they bought in. But I, if you remember the other thing I've, I've said at this, there's going to have to be a purging of the roster. You're, you're going to have to get rid of some guys. And you can do that through attrition. You can do that in the summer and just say, look, man, uh, that's, have you heard about the transfer portal? Uh, it might be something you want to check out. I mean, there's different ways you can do it. And, and, and I think what I like about it is that so far it seems like everyone gets an opportunity. It's a, it's a, it's a clean slate. Everyone gets the opportunity to come in and start fresh and go. But that said, I believe that – and I've coached football. I played football and I coached football. The hardest thing to change in football is a kid's mentality. It is. And I think you're going to see some of these younger guys that are that are this freshman class come in, and suddenly you're going to like start seeing them move up the depth chart, not because they're more talented, so to speak, but because – they're coming in with the, this this mentality that Grinch needs, and and these guys, these coaches, these the, you know, you, you it's crazy. You've got a coach, and you've got an analysis analyst. <laughs> um, you you've got guys at practice now who just watch players. They analyze it. I mean, so you can go to your defensive analyst and you can say, "Hey, I want you to watch my safeties. I want you to watch my corners. Tell me, don't worry, they don't have to worry about schemes." They don't have to worry about anything. They're just watching that player. They're watching his mood. They're watching his effort. They're watching his excitement and enthusiasm. And they're watching what he doesn't have. And he's going to go back and say, hey, this kid right here, uh, he quit on five out of ten plays because he got beat. This kid right here, he pulled up instead of making a big hit. Those are the type of things that it's the hardest thing to change of a player in regards to the sport. Mentality is the hardest thing thing to change and Oklahoma has some guys who had bad mentalities that I mean it's just yes Mike Stoops needed to go I don't believe he needed to go mid-season but he needed to go but the defense actually got worse after Mike Stoops got fired (laughs) I mean that's that's just that's a brief brief period of time it appeared better well because you play the two worst offenses in the in the big 12 right after that but the reality is the defense got worse post Mike Stoops I, I like Ruffin McNeil. I think Ruffin McNeil's a heck of a coach. But Ruffin McNeil didn't have time to get to these guys mentally. And I don't know if Alex Grinch does. Is he the right guy? Yes. Is this defense suddenly going to change overnight? No, it's not. It's going to be better. But our fingers are crossed well, that it does. No, you can't. I mean, you can't. <laughs> and, and Oklahoma fans, here. this is the warning. Oklahoma fans who are expecting this defense to suddenly look like Alabama and Clemson, it's not going to be there because it's still the same personnel. you got to have a change in personnel. And that's the that's – the, the good point is – there's a lot of young guys on this defense. That's that's the good thing. But the bad thing is, there's a lot of young guys on this defense. And those ones are there, and I don't want to say bad eggs, but the ones who had bad attitudes, bad effort, they're still there. And they're going to be called on. You have to call on them and a key role until you develop more talent. So the defense should be better. Yes, it should be better, especially if they get the takeaways. 
But don't expect this. I mean, even at Washington State, it took time. I mean, he didn't. It was two years before they really made a big jump, and I would expect it to be two years again. I, I think you'll see improvement in 2019 and then 2020. Then, then you'll start seeing the real Alex Grinch defense. That that's a long way of answering your question, but the reality is, yes, I do think Alex Grinch is the guy for this team. We're gonna go ahead and take a quick break um, uh, on this and uh, change directions. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Listen to Center Nation. You know, here's what it comes down to, Rich. We'll, we'll, we'll close the door on this uh, defensive talk, and I'll let you have the final say since I've I've dominated the conversation. But I I think what it comes down to is that that bulldog mentality. I mean, you have to have the mentality of that's my ball. I, one of my favorite movies is um, uh, The Replacements. You, have you seen that movie with Keanu yeah. Reeves? Yeah, yeah, you know the the guy that's uh, the, the he was the former cop and he's the linebacker and Gene Hackman looks at him and is like, "Go get me the ball," mm-hmm. you know, and that scene where he goes and get. I mean, that's that's the that's the mentality that every player on this team has to have, and regardless of who the competition is, they have to have the idea. I'm gonna get the ball. The, the flip side of that is Waterboy when they can't get him to turn that switch on. Yeah, well, okay. He's just we, poking and pushing that we guy. We have completely digressed. <laughs> completely digressed. Okay, I'm gonna read you a comment, and uh, you tell me what you think this means. All right? Okay. Okay. Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, in in um in regards to Josh Rosen. Cliff Kingsbury says, I've talked to Josh, and he understands it's a business. What does that tell you? Just that, with, with no, no that, further context. Yeah, no, what, no further context. What it tells me is a conversation has been had in which Josh Rosen has been told. There's a handful of things that he could have been told, but ultimately they all point towards him not being the starter at Arizona next season. Well, and I think you you hit something, uh, kind of nail on the head there that maybe not a starter. I, 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 they they may not have to get rid of Josh Rosen, to get Kyler Murray. And it's just a heavy contract. Well, here's something to think about though. Do you know how much the Cardinals paid Sam Bradford last I year? I don't. They paid Sam Bradford twenty million dollars, twenty million dollars, and they ended up releasing him. They ended up letting him go and and not. You know, he didn't even, I mean, ultimately you go to Josh Rosen because Sam Bradford just underperformed. He was underwhelming. But the thought is, even even if Kyler Murray has the number one overall pick in the draft contract, he's not getting $20 million. $20 million is going to be more than, if you keep Josh Rosen, $20 million is going to be more than what you can, what you're going to pay Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen combined. If they've got that kind of cap money, you don't have to get rid of both of them. I still think Josh Rosen stays on the market. I think they're just shopping around for the right trade and, at the right time. And what's crazy, there is a possibility that Josh Rosen has a terrible rookie season, kind of figures some things out on the next level, and d- develops into a quality quarterback. I'm not saying that he'll be a starter for the duration of his career, but he could be a quality backup quarterback or a quality guy who sat on the roster and then enters that starting role with a new team. We've seen it happen on numerous occasions with other quarterbacks who weren't necessarily highly regarded. I mean, they weren't first round draft picks either. So there is some differences there. I'm saying the possibilities 
for Arizona, keeping him on the roster may actually be a good thing once it all plays out. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a quality backup. I, if you take Kyler Murray number one, you're Cliff Kingsbury. You're you're known for this type of offense. We we've talked about the marriage; it's the perfect marriage, match made in heaven. If if that's if that's who you are, you don't draft Kyler Murray to back up Josh Rosen. You you keep Josh Rosen to back up Kyler Murray. The fit, the the clear fit in this draft is Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. But you have a good backup in that. But you're not going to pay. I mean, keep in mind that Josh Rosen was the number 10 overall pick last year. You're not going to keep that guy on your roster longer than you need to, paying him that. Because he, as a number 10 pick, he's going to get starters money. You know, and, and that's what everybody talked about Colin Kaepernick and, and the political mess around Colin Kaepernick. But the, the problem with Colin Kaepernick, it wasn't really political. The problem with Colin Kaepernick was... He wanted starters' money to be a backup, and no one wants to sign a guy for starters' money if you're going to, if he's going to be your backup. He signed with Cincinnati for backup money. He finally caved and got backup money, and someone signed him. That's the issue that Arizona's going to have with Josh Rosen. And and I want I want you I want you at least keep an eye on something because I said this last week. Do you remember what I said about the Miami Dolphins? The pressure, the pressure's on the Miami Dolphins because they got rid of Tannehill. They don't have a quarterback in this moment. There are some, there are some options in the draft, Matt, but I think they're going to have to trade up to get them. Josh Rosen is better than anything they have right now on the roster. And you remember, I said this: (laughs) the Dolphins are probably going to mess this up. And instead of trading to get the number one overall pick in the draft, they're probably going to trade to get Josh Rosen. I don't think they can give away enough to get that number one pick. Oh, I think they can because they've got extra picks from Tannehill. They, they've got assets that they can. It's just what Arizona wants to do. And Arizona may just say, we'll just give you Josh Rosen. And I, th- I mean, Arizona has all of the leverage right now. They have all the leverage because they've got a quarterback. They've got the top pick. You've got to come with a really, really good deal. And I don't know that anybody out there can do it. So it, it, it's just it's a matter of does Arizona want Kyler Murray? And I think – Or Nick Bosa. No, I, we, I mean we're just you're gonna Man, keep. I know, I'm I know you, you're I'm gonna keep you. taking that defensive angle with me, and I'm just gonna keep saying the same thing. When has Cliff Kingsbury ever cared about defense? <laughs> That's not gonna happen. But it's, again, we're another week closer, and there's and this is this story is gonna just keep leading up. And right now, at the the the, the owners and GMs are all meeting in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, for the annual meeting, and Kyler Murray talk is gonna continue to be there. Um, but Cliff Kingsbury says. That they're they're not even close to knowing who they're going to pick with the, the first overall pick, and they're going to they're going to they're going to they're going to turn over every stone, is what he says, and look at every position. I agree, that's just talk. They mm-hmm. they know they know whether they want Kyler Murray or whether they don't, and if they do want him, they're going to yeah. take him. Combine has happened. Senior, excuse me, pro day has happened. You know who you're taking. You have all the measurables, all the film that you need on every candidate. You have even more than just on Kyler Murray. Obviously, if you're looking at trading down, you know essentially who you would trade down for and what, where they're going to go in this NFL draft. I, I'm not buying it from Cliff's Kingsbury at this point in time, but I will tell you back to the comment that was made. It's just one in many of a string of comments that have really centered around Josh Rosen. And it's unfortunate for him as an individual 
to be in that moment. But you remember it started out Kingsbury in college as a mm-hmm. collegiate coach said I would take Kyler Murray with the number one overall draft pick if I had it. Finds himself in that situation. Of, of course that's going to come up. You have to know. And knowing that that conversation is once again going to resurface, I believe Cliff Kingsbury prepared himself for that. And in that preparation, what did he say? For now. He's right, our right. guy for now. And of course, everything heated up. From there, it continued and it spilled out into other personalities. It spilled out into other people who surround that franchise. Needless to say, Kyler Murray's going number one. I At this point, Matt, I, I'm like 97.6% sure. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll take it a step further. You know, Kingsbury gets fired from Texas Tech, goes to USC, uh, gets through National Signing Day, then all of a sudden he's interviewing with the New York Jets and the Arizona Cardinals, never even gets to coach a game at USC, spurs the Jets, so to speak, to go to Arizona. Why? I would argue so he can get Kyler Murray with number one pick in the NFL draft. The New York Jets, both teams are a mess. Both both franchises are a mess. Well, the Browns don't want him. But only only one franchise has the opportunity to get Kyler Murray. And I, I really believe that's why he's in Arizona. I believe that's why he left USC. I mean, I feel like I just there there's a there's there's a thing there. All right, Oklahoma baseball. The Sooners uh, clean sweep of the Kansas Jayhawks over the weekend. Best record in the Big 12, 21 and four overall, three and zero in conference. Doing it with pitching once again. Uh, Big 12 uh, uh, weekly awards are out. Oklahoma has a pitcher named in in those awards. Is it time to is it time to buy in and to believe that this is this is I mean this is this is what we're getting I mean this is a real strong pitching team with timely hitting they're not they're not necessarily a bunch of power hitters that are that are, that are going to slug slug through some wins and and that's what um, that's what Pete Hughes tried to do he tried to put together teams that were just so loaded offensively that they would they would out hit anybody but then you overlook the pitching side of it Skip Johnson's come through the other just complete opposite angle. He wants a strong arm bullpen, and that's what he's got. Sooners sitting pretty good right now, twenty-one and four. I looking at this team, there are definitely improvements, but you could also ask the question of who has Oklahoma played at this point in time? Have they cut their teeth on quality opponents and still come out ahead? Or are we going to see, as we get a little bit into the mix of conference play, are we going to see some of these numbers shift? And I'm talking about wins Mm -hmm. versus losses because there are quality opponents, the TCUs, the Texas Techs, the Texases of the Big 12 Conference. How will Oklahoma fare against them, even a West Virginia? I mean, Baylor's put together quality teams in the past as well so again i'm just waiting to see how they do through this run of conference games and we may find out a lot about them is it tonight they're playing in stillwater yeah yeah tuesday night yeah Uh they're they're, uh non-conference bedlam in stillwater uh tonight um and you mentioned west virginia oklahoma travels this coming weekend for three games set uh, at at west virginia there in morgantown um, and, and the thing is, you know, I, I, you look at their schedule. I, I think the best the best win they have was taking two or three from Rice at this point. 
Um, so you're right. You know, they, they haven't played the TCUs. They haven't played the Texas. They haven't played the Baylors. But I feel like you know, even Texas Tech is going to be, I think, pretty pretty tough in conference. But I feel like um, I, I feel like based on early results, you, you you go back to the Pete Hughes days, and and I like Pete. I mean, Pete was good to the media. Pete was good to to the players. I mean, I, I don't know what all transpired with him no longer being on staff at Oklahoma. But there was always those early season losses that just kind of frustrated you because you thought, man, they, they dropped this series or they dropped that, and they shouldn't have if they would have had better pitching throughout the entire staff, which, it, and again, that, that appears to be, to me, the biggest, um, the biggest improvement that we've seen now in the second year of Skip Johnson is the way that he's developing arms. I can't, I can't refute that statement because it is the well it's not the exact same pitching staff we do see numerous players who were under Pete Hughes who didn't experience the same level of success even with Skip Johnson as the pitching coach on this or with this ball club Skip Johnson taking over implementing his own regiment if you will is producing those results and I do have to attribute it. I've done this before. I'll continue to do it to him and his system currently. Well, baseball is not the only team that got a clean sweep over the weekend. If you take that short five-minute walk from uh, from the baseball it is stadium, still not five minutes. Uh, from the baseball we're, stadium we're to the softball stadium, uh, the Sooners at in Lubbock over the weekend sweep Texas Tech, ended with a run roll victory on Sunday. Grace Green. Big 12 Player of the Week. Mariah Lopez, for the first time this season, Mariah Lopez looked vulnerable in that opening game uh, of that series where they had to lift her early, but Shannon Sale comes in and, and does what she does best. I mean, she's just a solid pitcher, a strikeout pitcher, and she kind of salvages game one. It went from, from a tight game to you know to a, a comfortable win for Oklahoma. And, and the reality is Oklahoma, we, we, we talked about um, – we talked about – the baseball team, strong pitching, coming along with hitting. Oklahoma softball now is they're they're getting you on both sides. I mean they're they're continuing even even when and this is where we've talked about the depth of Patty Gasso's arms. When you have a a bad performance like what what Mariah Lopez had, I think I said the opening game, but I'm pretty sure it was Saturday. Uh, Mariah Lopez struggles, and then you just go to Shannon Sale. And you, you put another big arm in there and, and kind of salvages the day. Um, doesn't doesn't ever hurt you when you're hitting four home runs a game like they pretty much <laughs> did in this series. Um, but um, that, that goes from being a 4-3 game to an 8-3 win, and the only difference really was the pull, lifting Mariah Lopez and putting in Shannon Sale. And so I think that's, that's the biggest we, – we talked about these pitchers – and how Patty Gasso was going to use them, I think we know the role now because you, you had Juarez pitch on Friday, Juarez pitch on Sunday, you had Lopez go on Saturday in relief, and I think that's what you're going to see. When anytime one of these pitchers gets in a jam or struggles or is overworked, that's where Shannon Sale is going to come in, and she could end up being the, that the, that pitcher that plays that role in any part of the game uh, over the weekend and. Um, and she certainly has that ability, and she's proven that uh, the week before, even when she was the Big 12 Player of the Week, because of doing just that. Um, softball, 
Wednesday night, uh, home against Tulsa. Uh, that's going to be a good, I believe, a good game because, you know, if you remember, Tulsa was one of the teams that made it to the regional last year in Norman. And so it's a team that Oklahoma has a history with. Um, not a big rivalry, but there's a little bit of resentment there uh, from Tulsa that they always get. You, may, you remember being in that press conference. They always get shipped to Norman for that opening round of the NCAA tournament. And they're like, oh, good. We get to go play Oklahoma again. Sooners number two in the nation still. Uh, in softball, any thoughts there? <laughs> uh, Oklahoma under Patty Gasso has continuously put a team on the field that is capable. Okay, not always, but in recent history, that is capable of challenging for a national championship. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Matt, you want to talk about the hitting? What happened is Oklahoma. This is crazy to me. Oklahoma ends up taking some of the weaker hitters, more of a, a role player on offense that filled a slot and was just attempting to get on base because of speed. That's not a slight to anyone. It's just a comparison to what Oklahoma has had in the past. Oklahoma loses those types of players. All of a sudden, they reload with the two Graces, Grace Lyons, Grace Green, and it's a pretty stacked Nine, I mean, just a complete set of nine in that rotation. Mm -hmm. If you can find me a weak point, I would challenge you to do so because I, I honestly don't believe one exists, and I can't remember the last time that Oklahoma has had a lineup that was this capable of scoring runs from top to bottom. Oh, I and, can. And that's... I can. It was two years ago when they won the national championship. There was no, not no, no. a... There, yes, there, yes, there was, there was. Not, there was not a weak spot in that lineup, and I think yeah. there was two years ago. Two years ago, mm -hmm. who? Um, I am blanking on her name. Shortstop, slapper, not a powerful hitter, well, but still a slap hitter. I mean, she, they, they, when you look at the, that's you, what I'm saying. Is she she played a role. Well, she but, was even there last year. But but you're you're talking about Kelsey Arnold, yes, right? Yes. But the thing is, is that it, I mean, she she hit for hit for average, not hit for home runs. But I mean, you, th there was not a that was prior to Jocelyn Allo. There, there was not a a weak link in that. You know, you had Nicole Penley in there. You had all those. Th that was a that because I, I remember even talking to Chris Plank about this. You can't take a batter off in that lineup. You can't if you're the pitcher. You can't say we're going to walk this one so we can get to that one. Right. Last year you had that. I, last year you did. This year I don't think you do. Even with a freshman like Grace Green going in there, and you know she had. A multiple home run game over the weekend against Texas Tech. Yeah, so, she had a grand slam against Texas Tech. Do you do you hop on Instagram? With, not not with often. some level of frequency. Not often. Okay, so I I made a friend. Surprise, right? I made a friend, and he is actually one of the um, photographers that does most of the OU work. Now I looked at his Instagram just a little bit ago, and he had a post on there about Grace Green because he does anything you see on a poster. That's him. Mm -hmm. He's the one who's doing the studio work. And so he had mentioned in that Instagram post, he worded it this way. He said, if you didn't know who Grace Green was before this weekend, you probably know who she was because of the 54 of the 79 home runs Oklahoma hit. And then down like a little ways in, in parentheses, it's like, okay, those may be exaggerations, but they're still pretty close. Well, it's what it feels like. <laughs> and there's a reason why she is a Big 12 Player of the Week. But the, the, the point is, you know, last year when Oklahoma got to the World Series, they could work around Jocelyn Allo. You know, they could. 
and and this this lineup could not get that hit that that, that was necessary. Those games, those losses to Washington were not blowout losses. No, that I feel like they're equally as strong pitching across the board. They're deeper than they were last year pitching. Well, the difference is what Patty Gasso has invested in in these in hitting. And this is the team, you know, last year, look, just look at the numbers. Look what Jocelyn Allo was this time last year to where she is now. She doesn't have to be the person who hits a home run every right. every at-bat. So that, that's the biggest difference. we got to close out. I, I I mean, Oklahoma City Thunder, are they at rock bottom? Number eight seed, they're, they're not going to miss the playoffs. It's just like the beginning of the season, Matt. It's I don't feel – no, it's not. It's worse. In my opinion, it's worse. They, they just lost to a Memphis team – I like what the Thunder guys said. They're equivalent to a D League team. That's that's the status. That's that's where Memphis is right now, and they they went and lost. And 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 the the fire Billy Donovan train is up and running. But here's the thing. I, I got to come back to this. When you when you lose to Memphis and the current state that Memphis is in, when you lose to Memphis, coaching's not the problem. Because if you're if you're a, ta- a roster as talented as Oklahoma City is, you got. You know, you, you you got Russell Westbrook, you got Paul George, you got two All Stars on this team. You, you could go out without a coach and beat what Memphis is putting on the floor. You, I mean, that that's not on Billy Donovan. And again, going back, coaches can't coach effort. Coaches can't coach mentality. I think it's time for Oklahoma City fans to begin to have a conversation about changing this roster, changing this lineup, changing this franchise. And maybe Billy Donovan is a part of that, okay? Maybe he's the one who goes with them. But it's not working. The way it is right now, this team should not be the eighth seed in the West. And and they probably won't end in the eighth seed. But when, when you've got, you know, less than a month left in the season, you shouldn't be where you are. I mean, just this is ridiculous what these guys are putting on the court. And, and the fans the fans are in revolt. Fans are up in arms. We talked about this just a little bit. Five games coming up. You know, this, this stretch that begins right now where they get a, a, the bulk of their remaining games at home. This is huge for this, this franchise because you don't want that eighth seed. The eighth seed means you're going to end up playing Golden State. The seventh seed means you're probably going to end up playing Denver. So those those are in, interchangeable, you know. Denver and Golden State still jogging for position there. Six seed means you're playing Houston. You you want to get into that five spot, you, you know. You want you want to get into where you're playing Portland Clippers type type, especially with 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 the the big man going down in Portland last night. This is a bad situation for Oklahoma City. I believe this is the this is rock bottom for Billy Donovan and company. That's your opinion, Matt, and you're going to continue to hold to it. But the reality for me, like I said, is I think – I don't know why you regress throughout the duration of a season, but that's what it appears as though Oklahoma, has, the Oklahoma City has done. Because, I, like I said, I see it mirroring the front of the season, and really it comes down to the defense. Mm-hmm. I fully believe if this team will once again start playing defense like they did in the middle of the season or right before the All-Star break – they'll return to the same level of success. It's not the offense that has an issue. Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, they it's, can't. They couldn't hit Sam with a fell on the camel. It's the I defense mean, for me, man. Well, defense all the way. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad right now in Oklahoma City. Hey, thanks for listening to the Sooner Nation podcast. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Heartland-sports.com is where you can find us. We're on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Have a fantastic week. Boomer Sooner, everybody. <laughs>